0: Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it. On Christ, the solid rock. On Christ. On Christ, the solid rock. Is singing sad. I want everyone, lift your hands heavenward. There is a solid footing, a solid foundation. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. From Jonah chapter 1. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Kingdom come to earth and be established is the prayer of Jesus, amen. Everyone look into the scriptures to Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, hallelujah. Jonah chapter 1, thank you worship team and choir and God bless you for your giving this morning. At the close of this message, we're going to give an altar call. And if you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to get ready. If you're a backslider, if you're away from God, I want you to get ready. Amen. We're going to pray for our nation. I want you to get ready. Amen. Jonah chapter 1. We're going through the book of Jonah on these four Sunday mornings. America's final curtain call, part 2. Beginning with verse 4 of chapter 1, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Verse 5, new passage here for today. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay fast asleep. While the world was in tempest, while the mariners who served other gods realized the severity of what was facing them, the prophet of God was fast asleep in the hole of the ship. Could it be that in one of America's most difficult times in our history that some of the prophets of God Some of the people of God are fast asleep in the hull of the ship. The mariners, the people of other gods, the people of other religions, the people even without God realize that uh, there's cataclysmic things happening around and the weather is about to break apart the ship and the prophet of God is fast asleep. You may be seated. Will the curtain close on America? You see this beautiful flag on flag day behind me here and the curtains partially drawn to cover a significant portion of it. Could the lights possibly go out on our nation? The average lifespan of a nation down through human history has been approximately 200 years. Nations have arisen, nations have fallen, empires have come and empires have gone. And in a few weeks, we will celebrate 239 years on our nation's birthday on July the 4th. The reason of so many nations falling apart and the demise of so many empires is what was described by the Greeks concerning uh, uh, Darius and the Assyrian Empire, that Darius was an outrageous arrogance person who abused his power. Hybris is the outrageous arrogance that marks the abuse of power by leaders and it's happened down through the history of mankind. It's been one of the attributing and one of the greatest factors to the demise of nations that the imposition of those leaders will, no matter what the cost of the people and the nation, They were going to impose their will. It's what caused Persia to fall to Greece. Jonah, in our first point today here in our text, is called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, at this point in time, is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. In chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, God's call rests upon the prophet And he calls him to go to Nineveh, and he turns, does a 180, and he flees from the presence of God. And so in verse 4, if you'll remember, God sent a great wind. Some of the calamity, some of the things facing some people today is not necessarily the devil. It is flat, point blank, being out of God's will. It, Jonah's calamity, Jonah, what Jonah was facing was because Jonah was outside of the will of God. We see this in, this in chapter 1, that he was running from God. Sir, it's not a good thing to run from God. God will find you out no matter where you are. You can be in the hold of a ship, fast asleep, and God can locate you as he did Jonah in this passage. The mariners, now I want you to look at verse 5. These were men of other religions because they all began to call on their gods. And Jonah is fast asleep. The mariners knew the conditions, what was going on around them. Sometimes the children of the world are smarter than the children of the kingdom. If the child of the kingdom is asleep in the hold of the ship, and the mariners outside are viewing the tempest and viewing the storm and viewing the raging, I submit to you that he's more cognizant, that mariner on board the ship, outside the ship, is more cognizant of the world's conditions than the prophet who's fast asleep. It is sad to say that in churches today across America, there are some folk that are fast asleep. There are some prophets that are outside of the will of God, and they're missing what God is wanting to do in this hour, how God is wanting to send a great awakening, and they're running from the purposes of God. And Jonah is fast asleep, and the mariners come to him. Look at verse 6. The shipmaster comes and says, What meaneth this Oh, sleeper, I just believe the Holy Ghost wants to breathe across the church of America today and say, Oh, sleeping Christian, what means this? How can you be asleep in one of the most tumultuous hours in all of American history? How can you be asleep when there's winds and waves crashing on the bow of our nation? How can you dare be fast in the hold of the ship and you're sleeping while there is such tempest outside? And the shipmaster comes to Jonah. That question needs to be asked to prophets across America. It needs to be asked to Christians across America. What? Why sleepest thou in such an important hour? Verse seven. Look at it. They begin to cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah's feet, that he was the culprit. He was the cause. Verse eight. They say, "Tell us what you have done. Who are you? What is your occupation?" I remind you that his name meant dove. He probably said, well, I'm the dove man. I'm the Holy Ghost man. I'm the uh, spirit-filled preacher, prophet. Uh, I I remind you that Jonah's dad's name, Amittai, meant truth. Truth and the Holy Ghost are to come together for something powerful to happen. And yet the dove man is fast asleep fleeing from the presence of God. Uh, He's running from God. And God had called him to preach. uh, But he's turned listening to flesh and blood. And he's outside of the will of God. Uh, Jonah did not want the Assyrians to be saved. He did not want Nineveh to be spared. I want to say something this morning. That Jonah was very prejudiced. He was prejudiced. Here here is a Hebrew, here is a Jew that did not want Nineveh saved. He was prejudiced against those people. He knew their atrocities. He knew their background. He knew uh, the wickedness that was boiling over and and the Assyrians, uh, they, they were a ruthless empire, a ruthless people. And he knew this, and the last thing he wanted to see was mercy. I can show you this later in the story. But it was a prejudice in his own spirit. And I want to address this, friends. Uh, You're hearing this morning that God is not behind any form or fashion of prejudice. He is not willing that any should be lost. Don't think heaven sanctions your prejudice. If you want to attract heaven, you need to resemble heaven. If the church wants the presence of heaven in our midst, we need to look like heaven. The Bible says of every nation, tribe, and tongue, if we don't look like heaven, I question whether or not heaven is present. Verse 9, he says, I'm a Hebrew. Watch this. My God is the one who made heaven, sea, and land. He is denoting the name of his great God and the authority of his great God. Jonah still had that knowledge as a prophet. He still knew who his God was. But verse 10, look at the effects of him stating who his God is. They were afraid. You know why the world has lost its fear of God? Because the church has quit stating how great a God he is. We have stopped declaring to a generation that there is a God to be feared who made heaven, who made earth, and the seas thereof. Who can still split the oceans wide and cause dry ground to walk on. We have stopped declaring the great name of our God and we've raised a generation of young people who do not fear the Lord. My friends, this generation, young people need to grow up having a fear and a reverence of the things of God and knowing that our God is great and greatly to be praised and His name is to be feared from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Let the name of the Lord be reverenced but, when a young man can walk up on these properties and break into these buildings and steal thousands of dollars worth of the Lord's belongings and equipment, there's no fear of God. I would never, I would never touch something that belongs to God. I fear God. But a generation has lost that fear of God. To rob from God? These mariners were immediately afraid We've stopped declaring to our world around us, verse 10 through 12, look at it. What shall we do? Jonah was the reason of their storm. He says, throw me over. Throw me overboard. You know what he was saying? I need to die to self. America is in the shape she is in today because of the pulpit and because of the pew. We have been fast asleep in the hold of the ship. They tried to spare Jonah in verse 13, but it was a futile effort. Your, futile, your efforts to run from God, your efforts to hide from the presence of God. You, you thought, well, I'm going to go to that church over there on Ramona and I'm just going to hide out in the congregation and, and, and God can never find... Listen, God's got your number right where you are. Amen. I I can tell you that the Holy Ghost knows exactly what's going on. If the Holy Ghost knows what's going on in Austria, in that secret meeting there in in Austria, in in the the mountain regions of that resort where they have paid millions of dollars to erect towers, uh, that jam communication to keep the world from eavesdropping this weekend on what the 170 elitists of our world are doing this week, I can still say the Holy Ghost knows what's going on. You can't run from God. You can't hide from the Holy Ghost. And I've been praying a spirit of confusion to come into that meeting. God's not finished with this world. Amen. Amen. They can erect their towers of Babel, but we're going to erect the name of our God and we're going to celebrate that Jesus is Lord and know that the church is not going under. The church is going through to victory. They took Jonah and they cast him into the sea and the Bible says immediately there was a great calm. When you die to self, the raging will stop. As long as you're living unto yourself, and it's all about you doing your will, you doing what you want to do. I'm, I'm headed this way. I'm going to do things my way. Friends, are still going to be raging. But when you die to self, throw self overboard, abandon self, so that it's not you that live, but Christ that lives in you, the hope of glory. I want to tell you, you'll really begin to live The sea ceased immediately. You know what needs to happen? It says the people in verse 16, these mariners who had other gods, they immediately repented and they made sacrifice to Jonah's God. You know what your lost son and daughter needs to see? You dying to self. You dying to the old will. You die to the doing things your way and say, yes, God, I'll follow you. I'll do what you want your son to sacrifice to God. Do what Jonah did. Die to self. Verse 17, it says he prepared a great fish and that fish swallowed Jonah. Now, I did a lot of reading on that and I don't have time to go there. But God prepared something to get Jonah's attention and it became a sign to Nineveh. Three days, verse 17, look at it. Everybody look at verse 17, chapter one, verse 17. Prepared a fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish Three days and three nights. Jesus quoted a number of times the illustration of Jonah concerning signs of the last days. There is something connected with this story and the last days church in time living. He said, you want to know the signs of the times? He took them back to Jonah. Jonah. We'll go there next Sunday. We'll stop right there for today. Amen. Point number two, the light of America has been fading. The American Revolution started before the Battle of Lexington and the Battle of Concord. The war started when a group of people grew tired of the tyranny of England, the oppression, and the abusing that took place from the government. The Boston Massacre preceded the Battle of Lexington and Concord by five years. The British military at the Boston Massacre killed five colonists and wounded six. And the sentiment began to turn against Britain and against their forces and their occupation in the land. And it spilled over to the brim. The light of a, of a revolution was beginning to beginning to take effect and beginning to shine forth. And it began to shine forth in the hearts of men like Paul Revere, William Dawes, John Hancock, Samuel Adams, George Washington, on and on. The quest for freedom now commenced. And at one point, there was a shot that was going to ring out at 5 a.m. in the morning. No one knows who fired that shot, but it became known as the shot that was heard around the world. On the night, it was a dark night before that shot. There had been prearranged communications between Paul Revere and Robert Newman that a certain signal would be struck when he found out whether the British would come by land or by sea. And Robert Newman, who worked at the church there in Boston, the Old North Church, He would go to the pinnacle of that church and he would light a lantern, one by land, two by sea. And you know the history lesson. But friends, I'm saying that the God of history repeats himself and that there may have been something prophetic in what was taking place in history on April the 18th, 1775. That as Robert Newman climbed those stairs with some of his other patriots, They climbed eight flights of stairs to post two lanterns somewhere between nine and ten o'clock. And I read numbers of different accounts. And the time frame is listed between nine and ten. Some supposing right about 9.15 that those two lanterns were posted in the steeple of that church by Robert Newman. He held those two lanterns there with his friends. And the patriots came down from Uh, that steeple of that church and as they were coming down the stairs the British soldiers were banging on the door outside of the church to arrest these men because they knew something had taken place and they made their escape. They escaped to freedom. The historical account says that they ran to the front of the church and went by the way of the altar out a window. I want to tell you friends the escape from this world is still run to the altar. The escape from uh, the things that are happening in this world, there's still an escape route. But it's not you doing your own thing. It's not you being locked up in the hold of a ship. It's you running to the altar. And it says not just any altar, it said the right altar. Well, if you run to the right altar at Evangel Temple, you're confronted with the cross. And I want to declare to a world, uh, friends, that needs to run to the altar and needs to see the cross lifted up, that if Jesus be Lifted up he'll draw all men your escape route from yourself your escape route from this world and the sin and the degradation of this world is run to the altar and they escaped to freedom that night paul revere's ride began to take place it was noted in the historical settings that the guns and the ammunition the powder and the bullets would be stored in the churches. And that was a place in Lexington and Concord where General Gage and his troops were headed. He had 5,000 troops in in Boston. And he had sent 700 troops out that night to go to get the ammunition from Lexington and Concord from the colonists and to arrest uh, John Hancock and Samuel Adams. But there was two lights posted in the church. And Paul Revere and William Dawes saw those lights and they began to ride and they began to uh, alarm the community in the countryside. They had social media before we knew what computers were all about. They had, and as I read this week and studied, it was a very well-devised plan of communication. So that as one rider came, he would begin to alert families. And I watched a historical document on this. And they would come to these homes where already people had retired for the night. And they would bang on the doors. And all of a sudden, lights would begin to, to be lit. You see, friends, while America has slept, while Christians have slept, the lights have been slowly fading. While we have been sleeping, we've been losing America. And America has been going dark as far as the gospel is concerned but that night there were some lights posted that men began to pick up the light and begin to carry the light into the communities and this this particular communications network was called alert and muster alert and muster, and it was a well-devised plan of how they would communicate to their other countrymen. And those other countrymen would ride and begin to carry the message because the light had been going out. But they were to carry the message that the Redcoats uh, that were coming, the regulars were coming. It is a misnomer of uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow 100 years later to say that... Uh, That Paul Revere used the phrase, the British are coming, because he did not use that phrase. He either said, the regulars are coming or the redcoats are coming. But he began to ride and he began to declare and it is stated in some of the writings there were upwards of 60 different writers that it kept spreading. The light kept spreading and it kept going through the colonial communities so that as the writers kept contacting and coming to their homes more and more would carry the message forth. Called the midnight ride of Paul Revere to awaken people who were sleeping to people who the lights had dimmed and the lights had gone out and the British troops were advancing. But one man was willing to lift up his voice and I still believe that God's looking for one man to lift up his voice. He sent John the Baptist, said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. God's looking for people in an hour when the lights have been fading, when the lights have been going out on America, who will take a stand and herald the message of the coming of the Lord. Yeah. The repression and the tyranny of England had got to such a point that something had to be done. The Stamp Act, the Tea tax all of these taxes that were being imposed on the people in recent days before Paul Revere's ride, it brought things to a point that the lights were fading and no one was doing something, but something happened on April 18th, 1775. It had gotten to a point where someone was willing to ride. Someone was willing to light a lantern and to go to the church. Somebody had to warn the colonists what was taking place. And it became widespread. It became announced as someone was awakened and someone began to herald. I thought about the the muskets and the, the powder and the bullets being held in the church. And I thought, Lord, if you do allow history to repeat itself, maybe there's something prophetic. That in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today is what we need to fight the spiritual battles that we face. That the warfare that we fight today is not with flesh and blood, but it is with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. And friends, we're to take unto ourselves the whole armor of God. And that found in the church is the power and the dynamics of the Holy Ghost to rest. Of the dove man needs to awaken today the man full of the Holy Ghost, the man full of the Spirit of God and needs to prophesy to this nation. The bullets, the armament, friends, it's the Word of God. It's the gospel. It's the name of Jesus. It's the Spirit-filled life. We've got the power, we've got the power to turn the lights back on in America. Maybe it was prophetic what was happening in early days of our history that housed in the churches was exactly what the colonists would use. But also, I think it's significant that lanterns were taken to the steeple of the church. It could have been any other building. It could have been a department store it could have been a grocery store it could have been some other place in the community but the light was taken to the steeple of the church friends the church still has the light today we just got to allow that light to shine and that light to make a difference in our world i think god of history was prophesying to a church living in the last days that incorporated in the church is what you have is what you need to make a difference in your world somebody just needs to carry the lantern someone needs to carry the light jesus said in the last days that there would be five foolish virgins and five wise virgins, five that would have their lamps trimmed and burning, five that would not have oil, and the lights would slowly fade, and it would turn dark, but they have no oil at the coming of the Lord. The sin and wickedness of our nation has reached a tipping point. Listen to me, friends. God would need to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he does not judge America today. God will need to apologize to Nineveh. Nineveh turned to God and was saved. But 150 years later, corruption had come back into the point God allowed Nineveh to be destroyed. He would have to apologize to Nineveh if he doesn't shake this nation. God would have to apologize to Pompeii, Italy, which was utterly destroyed in A.D. 70 if God doesn't shake this nation. God judges nations. God brings nations into account, but it's time for the Paul Revere's to stand up. It's time for the William Dawes to let their light be heralded. It's time to light the lanterns. It's time uh, for the light to be seen in the church steeples yet once again. It's time to get the gunpowder and the bullets and to get the light and and to see Robert Newman's uh, uh, climb flights of stairs and light lanterns so that the church and so that the cross can be seen, so that we can preach Jesus to a dying world. God, light. America up with your presence someone light a lantern two weeks from tonight two weeks from tonight there will be some lights on the steeple of this church it's not just about fireworks it's not just about worldly carnal lights But it's about a beacon of light that we're declaring to a nation. You need to turn to God while there's time. You need to turn America around. We need to seek God while He may be found for our nation. Cards that you have are so that you can alarm and muster your family. We're gonna have outdoor church. The lights are just part of the, the evening. and and uh, But friends, it's all about what God wants to do. When the church goes outside, something powerful can happen, whether it's on a prison compound or, or whether it's in a juvenile shelter. But when the church leaves the walls of its building and awakens from the hall of our sleep and we get out where the world is, there's a light that can gain brilliance. Who will use your voice? Who will use your contacts? This is a summer of revival. President Gerald Ford, during his tenure as president, went to the Old North Church, and he lit a a third lantern, representative of a third century of freedom. Friends, who will light the lantern? Who will light the lantern? Who will be the light? I called you last Sunday, and the Spirit spoke to us about who will hold the rope, But who will light the lanterns today? Who will carry the torch of freedom? Who will carry the response that America needs to turn back to God? America needs to be saved in this hour. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. Somebody needs to light the lantern. And somebody needs to signal to a world, to a nation, that in God we trust, that we want America back to her Christian roots. We want America back to seeking God. America back. Who will light the light? Who will light the light? Surely there's a light you can light. There's a light that needs to be lit and somebody needs to run with the message. I've got some pastors that need to come help me light some lanterns around this room. But when the lights begin to be lit, friends, of the world that's walking and seated in darkness, they've seen a great light. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus we're lifting jesus up amen we're making jesus known but who will muster who will alarm who will be the john the baptist who will be the those that jesus called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he called us to be lights and you've got a light on your cell phone and <laughs> i see some of you doing. who will light the light who will light the light who will be the beacon of hope who will, who will let America know she needs to bow, she needs to confess, the God of heaven. The God of heaven. The God of heaven, his great name. The God who created heaven and earth, who created the sea and all therein. His name is to be feared among the nations. Who'll light the light? Who'll declare to the darkness? Who'll preach the gospel? Who'll ride on the horse? I want everybody to stand and our worship team to come back. Hold those lights heavenward right now. Come on. We've got a light. We've got a light this dark world. We need some Paul Revere's. We need some men that'll get get on a steed today and, and you'll use your influence and you'll tell America, be saved. Turn to God. Fear God. Turn from evil. Repent. Repent. America, repent. America, repent! Seek the face of God while she may be, while He may be found. Turn to God, America! Alarm and muster! 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 Alarm and muster. It's time that the church be the light. Hallelujah. I want them to bring the house lights up a little bit. Friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you do not know Jesus, you know there's a light I want to declare. I'm declaring Jesus is coming soon. I'm running. I'm writing I'm declaring to a lost world this church is declaring that's why we preach the gospel where we do Jesus is coming soon Jesus is returning and we've got this gospel inside of us and Jeremiah said it's like a it's like a burning inside of me I can't keep quiet Jesus is coming soon your family needs to know your great God Your family needs to see the light. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to come to this altar. I invite you to make a move from where you're at right now. If you've been running from God, if you've been wayward, if you've been like Jonah, disobedient to the faith, disobedient to the call of God, I want you to move from where you're standing and make your way to this altar right now. Come on, come on. If you're lost, if you're away from God, I'm calling you. If you need to repent of your sins, I want everyone to hold steady. This is a very important time. God knows how to get your attention and your storm will only end when you quit running. Your storm will only end when you quit running. You know, I do not believe that every storm is because of disobedience. But there are some disobedient people hearing a pastor make a plea to get things right. There are Christians that need to get back to your foundation. Get back to calling on the name of the Lord you're fast asleep you may be born again but you're fast asleep in the hold of the ship and jesus is coming soon you're running from god you're a believer but you've been running you're out of god's will you've quit praying you've quit seeking the lord this monday tuesday and wednesday and thursday for four days we're going to have noon prayer here in the sanctuary we're going to pray for our nation come on I want everybody to give a hand to these that are coming. Amen. 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 Come on. If things are not right in your life, I invite you to come. The harvest is plenteous. I need our laborers in the harvest down front. Come on. Laborers, altar workers. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more appeal. If you have spiritual needs today, I invite you to come. Every person with spiritual needs, maybe you're facing an attack, a battle, you've been struggling, you want victory in your soul and spirit, I invite you to come. Come on. From all over the sanctuary, up in the balcony, come on under the balcony the galleries come on hallelujah jennifer lead us in that course and we're gonna pray Everyone, slip your hands heavenward. Even as Christians, daily surrender is important. Everyone, slip your hands heavenward. Daily surrender. Surrender. Everyone slip your hands up towards these who've come. Father, for every person standing at this altar, every person online right now, oh God, even across this room, people who, God, are making a fresh consecration and fresh dedication, we surrender. Lord, we surrender to your will, not our will, but thine be done. Father, I pray that you will mark this point in human history, in American history. Lord, it is a time of revival that God, when judgment was decreed, when judgment was coming, that preachers of righteousness across the nation, people in churches across the nation, stood up and took their nation back to God, cried out to God for an awakening, repented of their sins and you were merciful and you sent mercy rather than judgment. Oh God, I pray that in every home, every family, there would be repentance we repent of our waywardness we repent of our rebellion we repent oh god doing our own thing heading our own way and we run back to your bosom we run back to you O oh god we honor you we love you we adore you our life is not our own but we seek your face we seek your face O oh lord we call upon your name Like a rushing wind, like a rushing mighty wind, Lord, fill the land, fill our homes, stop the raging, stop the raging, oh God, send a wind of refreshing, come on everyone lift your hands up, welcome the Holy Ghost, welcome the Spirit of God. I want us all to lift our voices in just a moment crying out to God for revival in America. Between 9 and 10, probably around 9:15 on that April night, some lights were lit and riders began to run. And I said, "God, about 9:15, on June 28 when some lights are lit let something rise up in this community let something that as lights go forth from the steeple of this church let there be a prophetic release of the giftings and the anointings of God to begin to flow and to begin to surge forth from this city, God, embracing and touching a nation, calling a nation to awaken, to arise. I want everybody to lift your hands, and I want us to pray over America right now. Come on. Pray over America. Hallelujah. Come on. I want you to open your mouth, lift your voice. Pray for revival in America. Pray for God to visit this nation. Pray for God to turn this nation around. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons of history. Lord, let America be a modern-day example of the mercy of heaven. That in a day when judgment was on its way, you heard the cries, you heard the rioters declaring to awaken, to muster, to alert, to muster. You heard the sentinels. You heard the the, the colonists saying, God, be merciful. Heal our land. Heal America. For your great name's sake, heal America. That your name might be known in all the world. That we might declare to the nations the magnitude of your mercies and greatness. In Jesus' name. Friends, I want you to alert, and I want you to muster. I want you to begin to uh, invite your loved ones and friends. This is about something we want to call our nation to. We want to see revival in America. Amen.